Jupiter, he really enjoys using going through the nine steps, and he enjoys using the music app. Yes. Can you just share a little bit about what you've seen with him enjoying the tutoring and also enjoying to read now? Yeah, that is that still uh, it kind of just takes my breath away, and is so almost shocking to me when I catch him just reading casually. Um, when you have a child who you know, couldn't memorize his letters, you know, going on a couple years working on that to reading four or five letter words, spelling, spelling difficult and challenging words that I think are even above his level. It's just, it still catches me off guard. And it's so, um, it's so amazing and fulfilling to see that. And I could see how, like you mentioned, how proud he is of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, I think we both felt very kind of hopeless because we didn't know what was wrong. We didn't know, you know, why these things weren't sticking. And so, yeah, it's, he, he actually um, enjoys reading and he's actually, I mean, for how much he's had to catch up, he's actually really good. And so today I have a woman who is uh, one of our genius dyslexic adults, and I want her to share her story with you. And then she's going to tell you about the business that she actually has to help children who want to take a deeper dive um, into understanding your child's dyslexia. So with me, I have Trisha Cook. And come on, Trisha. Welcome aboard. Hello. Nice to have you today. Thank you for having me. Would you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience? Maybe, you know, so I'm Trisha Cook. Okay, well, I'm Trisha Cook. Uh, I presently live in Birmingham, Alabama, Um, but I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana. So I guess y'all could tell my accent. But anyway, (laughs) so um, I'm going to tell a little bit about my story, and I do believe it all had to happen in order for me to help others. So I'm appreciative of it all now. So um, I grew up in New Orleans and like I said, and um, went to some pretty good schools there in New Orleans Um, and started uh, 4K a little little later because my birthday is July. So I started even struggling then. So went to kindergarten and they wanted to hold me back. So they had held me back in kindergarten. Um, This was, like I said, a real good school in New Orleans. And then first grade, they wanted to hold me back again. So my mom's like, you you people do not know what you're talking about. My daughter's very smart. Y'all are just aren't helping her Um, (laughs) for some reason. So, Mm -hmm. cause uh, yeah, my brother, he's a literal genius, 160 IQ four years older didn't have any troubles so comparatively she knew something was way up so second grade I went to a Montessori school I also could see my Montessori background there I didn't know it was a precursor of what would be happening in my future but I went to a Montessori school and they they pretty much said she's got something going on we don't know what it is you need to go get her tested so but this was 1983. So 1983, I was diagnosed with central auditory processing disorder and a learning disability. 
So um, that grade only, that school only went to second grade. But so I went to third grade in another school. Fourth grade, I ended up in another school. My mom couldn't find anybody to help me. Isn't that and, funny? All these changes yeah. of schools. Wow. A lot of changes of schools, a lot of heartache because I wasn't good at making friends. I'd become an introvert. Well, sure. And yeah. 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 And so I also believe that the kids were picking up on the energies that the teachers were giving off and seeing how they interacted with me. Hmm. And so they were like, oh, I don't interact with her, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Aww. It was just, it was really hard. It was very difficult. Um Believe it or not, uh, fourth grade, I went to a military school. And yes, it's one of the few private schools I could get in because the testing anxiety had set in. And so when I was switching schools to find somebody to help it, I wasn't getting in into all the schools that were more desirable. But this was a military school. I actually did well. I remember I did well that year because I believe it was the structure because the teacher would put the Everything would be doing that day onto the board. And I think that somehow that structure helped me. Not that they mm-hmm. were sort of so helping me. But I didn't tell you what grade I started to learn to read. Um, so I was in fourth grade. I was nine. I think that was right. Mm-hmm. But I was nine, no matter what, when I started to read. But I had a regular tutor because they didn't. I don't even know if dyslexia tutors existed then. I don't I, I don't know. Yeah. So, um, had a, yeah, at a regular tutor, so that's why I began to read. Um, so, listen, I'm trying to make the long story short for you, <laughs> but I got some really important information here. So, um, time I got to high school, my confidence was just about nil. Um, I was retested to get into the resource room. Now, the LD teacher, not able to help me. I was actually in AP classes because it was never a question that you're going to go to school. But I had a lot of problems in learning Spanish and I had gotten some D's. Yeah. And my mom sent me to a college near kind of not nearby. Actually, it was kind of far from where we live, sent me to a college and they taught us only study skills and organizational skills. So that two weeks there really helped me. Mm. It is so I can pass. So um, I was passing and I had extra time on the SAT, got into college. And um, so the funny thing was, is like, I always knew I loved kids. And I was good with kids. Like I was always the one to teach when they came over. But I think my mom pushed it because she knew that's something I could do and be successful with. So it's always funny to interesting to me to think, would I have had the option for some kind of science field because I'm actually really good at science, mm. but it, all the academic didn't show that then, you know? So that's just interesting to think about. It is. Yeah. You know, but I was, I was lucky that I got into a college there and it was early childhood education that I went to and it was constructivist theory, which to me is so interesting because that appealed to my brain a whole bunch and I wasn't ready to leave college. Tell, tell the audience what the constructivist theory is. So it's based on children's cognitive development and how they construct knowledge. So at certain levels, um, you learn to be observing them to perform tasks related to that, whatever it is, like volume, constructing number, 
oh, it's so complicated. But it's also, there's a lot of, it's uh, based off theme. So you theme up everything and you go set up the room. Like one year, uh, the theme it was around Thanksgiving and I was a, and I was an intern and I set up the classroom as an Algonquin museum to study Native Americans. Mm-hmm. So we made like lists of how to go through the museum for other people in other classrooms to go see. So it's actually really project-based too at the yeah. same time, but it's theme-related project-based learning. Um, so it really appealed to me, the constructivist theory a whole bunch, but I wasn't ready to leave college yet because I think I got my self-esteem based off looks and partying and friends and having fun. That's where I got my self-esteem because it still wasn't, academic and mm-hmm. I heard that's pretty common so I wasn't ready to to leave and I did a uh, speech and language pathology I wanted um I wanted to do that because LD was the other option and that was going to be hitting too close to home so I did not do that speech and language pathology is a little bit further from hitting home for me so I could do and it's, it. it's more uh based with sciences too right yeah you know, I, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I yeah. studied, um, I took one class in SLP because I thought I would, I, I had been as SLPA, which is the assistant. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I loved it. And so much of what I did as a therapist overlapped. So I oh, thought. You know, that just one class we took on the anatomy and structure of the face, I had all the students come to me for help because I put uh, all the different parts of the phase onto um lists because i've now i've learned all about list form thinking yeah. that's what we have we think in lists so i memorize lists very very well and that's what it is that have all the students come to me for that so that was like a strong it showed that's the, the science yeah i never thought about yeah. that and i uh it scared me because i it was so much about the brain and so much about the yeah. throat and i worked with stuttering kids but I didn't continue because I went, wow, not so much overlaps, but occupational overlaps too, because I was math strategies and the occupational therapist was doing the same thing I was doing to teach math strategies. So, so much of this in education overlaps, but why is it so hard to help dyslexic kids? Because man, people, um, we we're finding that people who are trained are so busy. They don't want to work with a lot of students and then people who aren't trained, it's so expensive. They don't know where to go to get less expensive training, which is why I developed what I'm doing to provide some less expensive training for people because the numbers of dyslexic kids are out there and they're not decreasing. Right. No. And um, so it's, it's so nice that you went through college and that's one of the things we show our students, and, and we talk in my YouTubes, I interview other people who were successful going to college and getting the accommodations you need because you do have. It wasn't, I wouldn't have done it for without the accommodations. I can tell you that right yeah. now. Well, what's that? You want to hear a sad story? Because I got to tell some sad stuff because I got to tell the good stuff. Okay. okay. Oh, the good came from the bad. Yeah, so when I first got it in, into the... Uh, uh, LD office. They That's learning took disability me to for me people. Grade level. Yeah. And um, so they took me to see what my grade level was right then. There. Yeah. 
it was sixth grade and I, I had what was called the imposter syndrome. I thought I felt paranoid. I felt anxious that they were going to realize she doesn't belong here. Mm. So I've just studied the psychology of what goes on a lot too. Um, that's where I'm going to be leading at the end. But um, so I had a lot of insecurity and anxiousness by the time I got to college and it um, wasn't easy, but so I, so I went to speech, faith, language and thought, puff up, da, da, da. here we go. I got to get calm. Hold on a second. So I went to speech and language pathology um, for two years. So I was lacking two classes to get in the master's, which is required. So you have to have undergraduate and master's in it. And I was fourth on the waiting list to get in for the mass for the master's program. And so I didn't get into that school, particular school. So I went and moved straight to a big city. And there I found Montessori the second day I had moved. So um, she's like, I'm hiring you because you have your early childhood, but more because, too, you have SLP background. So I always thought, see, it wasn't a waste of money. I didn't get, I didn't even master. It was not a waste. So I got my Montessori certification. Uh, but I had a lot of uh, problems there because you'd be under a lead teacher. And I told her I had a learning disability and she um, didn't understand it or care. She even had me practicing my handwriting because I have dysgraphia too during my break. Mm-hmm. She'd have me do that. So I had a lot of problems when I was first starting to teach. So I think it was like five years in, I started to really excel and thrive um in Montessori teaching it that um you can see my background I just fell in love and it is really a levelized based learning and yes it is multi-sensory but I'm going to say um where that's not what I take away from it is the multi-sensory purpose but the levelization that's so important and the autonomy that it creates for children um but um so so um, I left. Now I was still in Montessori. So I was there for 15 years in Montessori. And I decided to go for my master's as a reading specialist. Um, when I was there, I didn't have problems um, learning because I think the mind maps that they were teaching us to apply to the kids, yeah. where it's a little bit more excelled by the time when I was young, we used to use those simple webs these mind maps <laughs> changed my life. I feel like it, it retrained my brain to learn because it was using my strength to help my weaker areas of language. And it does include, like I say, list. Well, list and just, thinking. Just I've only got one article on list. Just for the, for the listening audience, just to let them know the mind mapping, it, it's like a cartoon strip. It shows mm-hmm. what's happening here, what's happening here, what's happening there. And so if kids yes. can understand what the steps, the procedure is, the process, and that's why the Orton-Gillingham model, structured, systematic, sequential, mm-hmm. it's all tied into the, you know, I think they call it so many different things, um, mm-hmm. word webs, mind mapping, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, people need to know that it's, it's sequential and it's systematic. There's a reason why you do this mm-hmm. first and a reason why you do that second and a reason why you do this third. And if this isn't successful, you need to try something else at the lower level to let it be yes. successful. 
And well, I'll have like a sporadic visual image when I'm thinking instead of a word image or thinking of words, and I'll just put it onto the mind map. So they gotta look, they gotta Google mind maps just because they'll see all the graphic visual mm-hmm. spatial reasoning it allows. So, um, so yeah, so I was reading, uh, retrain my brain, I believe, when I was working on my master's, there's a reading session just discovering those. And um, my friend said, you need to just do Orton Gilliam training. So I did it and it, it was great. It was, it was good. Was it um, a lot of repetition from what you learned at Montessori, do you think, or a lot yeah, overlapping? A lot of overlapping between the two, uh-huh. a whole lot, um, which made it pretty, you know, it, it was easy for me, which was good because yes. I you know, was building my confidence up. So, um, so anyway, so, um, what I was going to say is, so I had retrained my brain to learn, but a couple of years later after that, I was thinking, why am I still so unhappy? Why am I still so unsure? Why am I still so insecure? Mm-hmm. You know, I've got what I've wanted. I can read, I can understand, comprehend. You're right. So I had to think about anger and shame what anger and shame I had built up having the teachers upset with me having had heard overheard my dad say maybe she is lazy something like that and then my brother you know calling me stupid (laughs) and all of these things and um I had to take myself back there again I had to Mm -hmm. look at it because I know they didn't talk about SEL back then they didn't, you don't talk, you don't talk about emotions. Like today we have this big curriculum um, that are offering SEL assessments to go along with any kind of other um, assessments that you're doing. And so that's you've got to social, recognize emotional, shame, learning, yeah. learning. learning. Now mm-hmm. is this, is this tied into the, um, um, mindfulness that they're teaching also? Does that overlap? Uh, mindfulness is part of meditation. So, yeah, uh, it's part of that. Um, but it's really, it's just a, a recognizing and acknowledging the emotions that create cool. the feelings, the feelings oh, yeah. of anger. Like you've just written something down, but yet you're going to go throw it away and you actually got three sentences on it. And now you're going to go throw it away and crumple mm. it up. That's probably, you could be angry. You know, yes. you could be experiencing anger. Or all of a sudden they just shut down. You're like, oh, it's okay. I'll read it with you. So that could be shame. They could be feeling anger and shame, and anger and shame can get triggered. Somebody look at you wrong. You get insecure that maybe I said I just stuttered over my words and fusion did fusions. So mm-hmm. it's like anything can trigger that unless you want to look at it and recognize it for what it is and release it and relieve this. Because mm-hmm. if not, you're going to get older like I was and still be insecure and unsure. So I had to look at the anger and shame. Yeah. So I That's could. Interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna, I think there's probably a lot of yeah. out there. I think there's parents out there who have to really watch what they say to their children. I'm sure we have the positive parents who are always very affirming and um, supportive. And then other parents just learning. What do I do? My child, it looks like he or she is lazy, but 
if they have dyslexia, I need to know that it's not laziness. So how do I motivate them and inspire them? So I think hearing this is maybe giving them some more tools for their toolbox. Tools for their toolbox. That's exactly right. And it, you know, the thing was, is my, my mom was 110% supportive. It's just the one thing my dad said. But besides that, I'm really good at evaluation skills. So I'm looking and observing patterns of how people are interacting with me, the way that their voice is, the way that their face changes, all of these things that made me highly sen- sensitive person, you know, and so not even how somebody acted, it's just being different, mm. just noticing how people are noticing how I wasn't as strong as them academically. So that, that's how I was performing my self-identity was I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. So then I had to realize, hey, I am enough. I am worthy. So um, believe it or not, with, with having retrained my brain, looking at those emotions, I realize all my gifts. I, I can do poetry well. I do oh. photography well. I do oh. drawing well. Yeah. And, and the sciences. I'm bringing those back where I've studied neuroscience. I've studied psychology along with education. And I just met with a medical doctor today who's going to look at my program. And she says, it sounds like you got a lot of that in there, too. I'll be looking at it. So um, so I brought the sciences back. But before, I didn't have the confidence in myself to do these things. Isn't that amazing? You know? I think mm-hmm. that's really it's a blessing. Um, you know, I know there's the deeper dive of assessment that the kids need and can get. What the level I'm at, I do a pre-assessment because I'm not a um, a medical doctor, but I my doctorate in education, I have seen so much over the 23 years, like you have seen, and you can just tell by how the kids are are moving and acting, um, if 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 they're true dyslexic or is there a little bit of autism in there, or even do they have ADD, ADHD? Sometimes parents know, but they won't tell you. And so your expertise lets you know. And um, it's interesting because I have two kind of programs I offer. And you you know a little bit about my background is I offer uh, Orton-Gillingham methods. It's not a curriculum. It's a method with music. And then for the kids who um, or the families who want more of the deeper dive, I, I have the reading program I developed, but then I have a reading program that I developed as being part of my practicum, where mm-hmm. it's very, it's more um, structured and uh, prescriptive, mm-hmm. and it's very unique to every student versus, mm-hmm. you know, the first program where everybody starts at the beginning, and they're taught a lot of different concepts, and they grow at a fast pace. And so mm-hmm. even with the second program, I have my students listen to music in the left ear, classical music. And I just am a firm advocate of using music with the reading program. But you know, there's times when I want this, the parent to to take a deeper dive of what's actually going on with your child. And that would be a you'd be the perfect person to refer them to. Thank you. Yeah, I do have the pre-assessments like you said I look at auditory processing the visual processing how the ADHD affects their learning little looking a little different from what dyslexia is I look at sensory integration issues I look specific language impairments and I do do I do check for autism if it's a pre-screening first that you want to check for and then 
Um, no diagnosis is given by myself, by the way. Right. So I send them to the people who they need to see so oh, okay. they're not wasting their time or their money going where they need to go to. But um, do offer the um, the SEL, this, uh, I got to say it, I got to get away from the acronym of it, social emotional learning. I was the <laughs> uh, checklist where we can look at, do have they developed anger and shame? Mm-hmm. Okay. Good to know. The list of of observations that are made if they are any of those things. So also I look at their gifts and strengths and learning interests. So I have that one. You would be surprised how much you can find out that you might not have known in that those areas. Um and you so what I'm to say is too Yep, on Zoom. Yep. Yep. Those are my Dyslexia screenings and evaluations, I'll call them if they go to my website. But um, what I want to say about you, you're saying about neurometric education. That's another name for rewiring the brain for using sound. We get sound therapy, color therapy. So I am a full believer in the, the sound therapy also looking to use those frequencies to rewire the brain, to access the side that's non-deficit to the side that's their 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 stronger area to have them coordinate to speak to one another so um very proud that you do that and movement you know does the same a lot of the crossing the midline type exercises there's so many yeah Yeah. but the main thing is is yeah i wanted to tell you when i'm working with kids is i do observations being that i'm a montessorian of saying oh do i hear tapping going on do do i see that they're starting to get red in the face so there's more that you could do online that you didn't know you maybe possibly could see or notice. Starting to stumble over words when they first start to read, you know, having some slow cognitive speed processing. Just little tiny details like that to stop to stop it and not to keep on pushing it and to get them calm. We're going to go do a memory game. Are we going to do some breathing? Are we going to do, um, like you said, listening to music? So a lot you can do still mm. online can't we <laughs> well it's it's neat that there's uh, different opportunities for parents we need to wrap this up so in a, we have like two minutes left are you able yeah. to your last two minutes let parents know how to reach you and okay. what, what your message to them would be okay um have them look up and google some of the things we talked about today um have have them try to do free verse poetry because um, my writing anxiety is huge as well as my testing and speaking, reading, writing is the biggest one. And um, free verse poetry, Google that because we have that list form thinking only found one article to back it up on the phone that we live, we think in list. But I know for fact and talking to hundreds of people with dyslexia, but it involves lists and it's free verse. So it's not, doesn't have a set rhyme meter pattern rhythm. So we are good, very good at picking out and evaluating rhyme meter pattern um, and tone ourselves. So it allows us to just go with our own natural instinct of what we're going to write. And then you can pick out, Oh, look, you did a rhyme here. Oh, look, you did alliteration. Oh, look, you did, um, such and such then you can pick out all the figurative language from there but let them go with their natural free verse writing and they can get inspired by pictures of people animals and nature 
things like that. Cause mm-hmm. that, that really starting off with that free verse really helped me to build up to short stories and my program. It's like a whole massive you know, amount of work. I like to see so, how, how the Orton Gillingham springboarded you into this. You know, you have the foundation with the Orton Gillingham mm-hmm. training, yeah. which had the foundation of the Montessori. And I had foundation of, I was going to create my own curriculum with Patricia Cunningham and um, um, all, all, of, all of the known literary people 23 years ago. And then I traveled with Spire. I love Spire. I know people like Barton and Wilson. And um, But when I was in my practicum, it was really challenging to just really develop a very unique program for one student. And if you have a private practice where you work with one student, that's ideal. But I, I'd like to train more people in something that is replicable. And um, even if I needed a sub, I could trust this person because they know my program. But you can't do that with Orton Gillingham other than letting them know, okay, I want you to teach these vowel teams over the next month, you know, so it's really, it's tricky having a private Mm -hmm. practice, but I want to commend you and what's your website again for people. Yeah. It's www.mymyelbert.com. Myelbert.com. Okay. Um, That sounds wonderful. Thank you, Tricia, so much. Yes. Thank you so much. And I want to let the audience know that one of the things that's strong in my heart right now is for parents to feel empowered to get assessments from their schools. And so I have a a free downloadable letter on um, my website, or you can go to CintronDyslexiaHelp.com and download my free letter. All you have to do is fill it out, take it to your school, and they will give your child the assessment. And then if you... Um, need extra help. We're here for you. Trish is here. I'm here there. And we could give you more people that can help you, but let's get you started. Let's get your school assessing your child so that they will pay for the intervention. And then also if you want some kind of um, pre-assessment prior to the school's clock, because it will take them 50 days to do that assessment, reach out to me and we could, you know, have a discovery call for 15 minutes or so and no charge for that. So thank you, Tricia. And I want to thank the audience for being here. Again, I'm Dr. Marianne Cintron, and I can be reached at dyslexia-solutions.com. Bye-bye now and have a blessed day. for listening to this podcast in its entirety. If what we shared today has inspired you, would you please visit our website, dyslexia-solutions.com and consider making a donation so that we can keep these podcasts going. Also, please subscribe to our channel and find me on, on Instagram, Marianne Sintron. Thank you again for tuning in and may God bless you.